missed his chances. Oh, brilliant goal! A brilliant goal! Remember the name, Wayne Rooney. Pirlo, 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 ancora, Pirlo, di tacco, tiro, What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Footy Fans Podcast. Andrew, Santo, and Joe coming at you. We were just riffing real quick before uh, before we hit record here. A clip came across my my desk earlier today <laughs> from uh, from Phil Bonadonna, giving me some content, some free content. Um, it was in the match yesterday at Champions League between Bayern Munich and Inter. Sadio Mane gets a rocket of a shot. It was a rocket. Yeah. Rifled right at his face. He puts his arms up you know, crisscross style, blocks the ball with his hands in the box, goes to VAR for review, no call. Mm -hmm. To me, that was very much like he raised his arms in an unnatural position and he blocked the ball with his hands. I mean, it was going to his face, yes. He did protect himself from getting concussed, most likely, or a broken nose or jaw or orbital bone or something. Yeah, But he put, like, the shot came through, and he, then he raised his arms. It wasn't the shot was first. I'm sorry, no, it wasn't his hands were there first, and then the shot came through. Like he saw the shot being lined up. Ball was kicked, then he raised his arms. I didn't see the clip. How close was the shot to him? Uh, some, probably some like eight yards or so. Eight to ten yards away. 100% a handball. Yeah. Like, it, like the shot 100%. was taken, and then he raised his arms. 100%. Because I know what you're saying, because you think it's not a PK, because, like, I think it's, it's, the, first, I think it's the first time the Twins have a different opinion on something. We've waited two years almost for this to happen. I, I Like, I'm... Groundbreaking. I'm of the fact that FIFA needs to get clear on what they want to call a handball, because originally they said, we don't expect defenders to defend with their hands behind their back. Yet, we see it all the time. A defender goes sliding in. I haven't seen a defender be able to slide in without having their arm away from your body. You don't go and slide into the tackle with your hands against your body. I've seen defenders go in, they slide their arms slightly raised, they get a hit against their hand, and it's a PK. But I've seen that not called a PK too. And I've seen it not called a PK, which is the whole thing where it's like, uh, I think we talked about it last week, where I don't know if it was uh, Jim Beglin or Peter Drury said it, where why do we see those given? And so, and that one wasn't given when the situation with the Tottenham game. Yeah. And oh, it was, Town- it was Andy Townsend. It was uh, Townsend. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, Sorry. Yeah. So then there are situations where uh, you know FIFA says that if th- your hands are against your body, or if your hands weren't there and hit your body, then it's not a PK. Uh, and where if you're like protecting your head, then it's not a PK. So. One, you can't have your hands right up against your face to prevent the ball from hitting you in the face because if it hits your hand, you're basically just punching yourself in the face. 
So, is it? I, a, go ahead. I think FIFA just needs to make it clear on what exactly is a handball because his, his arms were away from his body. He probably had enough time to duck, but you yeah. know that's not really up to anyone for interpretation on what he what he could have done otherwise. Yeah. So that's my whole thing. Where if FIFA said the rule is that if the ball would have hit you anyway, then it's not a handball and you can protect your face, then, you know, it should be a handball. But I agree there's it's the lack of consistency that's doing it for me. I want to see. Um, because you can't say you don't expect defenders to defend with their hands behind their back and then have defenders going in for tackles where the only natural position is. <sighs> Uh, for their it was a, heads to be it was away. A sure a PK. It was a missile We're just, shot too. This We're just watching sure the, uh, the replay here. Uh, Barella can... with a rocket. <laughs> I'm so, I'm, okay, because like picture this. This is my whole thing on it. Because if this isn't a handball, it sets a precedent where if the ball's coming at you as a defender and like the fact that they even move to the side, which is sketchy, because he kind of moves his head back yeah, he turns. Monty turns Hon, his head away. How is this not a PK? And then the, watch the referee here too. He just gives like a no. Nah, he but he blocked his face. Like, what, what do you mean? Rattle. This, this was surprising for me. Where I'm, I mean, the refs no. kind of exaggerating. His hands weren't that close to his head no, protecting him because if his hands were that close, it was like because uh, like in a wall because you you put your hand against your forehead. Yeah, and but your hands already there. The fact that he puts his hands up towards the ball after it's kicked. Is what's sketchy, a. Yeah, that's what so I two, it's setting a precedent where if someone wants to send a through ball on an attacker, now defenders like, oh, well, I can kind of keep my hands towards my body, but like just move my body and like let let it hit my hands. It sets a precedent because this is probably a foul anywhere else in the field. Oh, hundred percent. It's a handball anywhere that? else on the field. I see less yes. handballs given as handballs yes. on the like anywhere else on the field. And that's one of my big, which is why too. it's super it's, sketchy. That's one of my big things too. I know, I know, handballs and free kicks and penalties are all kind of situational, like the time of yeah. time of game and place on the field. Mm-hmm. I think if it's a free kick or a foul at the center of the of the field, it's the same in the box. Yeah, like I don't like how there's, oh well, you know, he's in the box, so I'm not gonna call it PK. But if he was 12 yards out of the box i'm definitely gonna call that a foul yeah it's a foul either way like how are you changing the rules of the game that's again that's another thing var and fouls by the referee are based on their interpretation in the moment and based on judgment in the moment yeah it's not cut and dry like there's if it was cut and dry then like every foul would be a foul yeah. it wouldn't be like okay well you can foul in, if it's outside the box but you can't foul if it's inside the box yeah it's like well you would have called that foul anyways. It's a foul. Like it's clear. Yeah. I I hate that as a rule. It's a uh, not a rule. Un, unwritten rule. That the referees use to like get defend themselves. Get For yeah. me, because even you see it even when people take free kick. Yes, they line up and they put their hands. But if they move their hands slightly away from their body and they're in a wall, it's a PK. I'll call it yeah. at all. That was. <laughs> I mean, his 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 hands were in front of his head when the ball left the guy's foot. But he moves his head and he does not move his hands. <laughs> you can see because like he ducks out of the way, like he ducks out of the way, keeps his hands there, and it clearly hits his hands. Yeah, yeah. So I know, I know very, what you mean. And I think because a because he raises them, and two, they're not a natural position. 
So it's different. Like if you're defending and your hand, you you keep your hands close to your body, and then it hits the hand. Um, I think that's a lot different. Like because you can't really like move. Yeah, so if you can't really move out of the way, it's different if it's right against your body. But the fact that there's space between his head and his hand, and he mm-hmm. kind of keeps his hands there. There's no real attempt for him to move his hands at all. Um, yeah, I. It it was obviously just a reaction thing from him. Um, you know, I obviously it's I don't think he's trying to deliberately block the the shot, which the whole thing for me is it's just going to come down again to a matter of consistency where it has to be very clear on what a natural position is for defenders and what like qualifies as them just like having their hands against their body or like how close their hands need to be to their body where it won't be a PK. Um, because guaranteed if this was another game, it could be called and then like everyone's going to be up in arms again or uh, a shot comes in. Cause if you're, def- if your hands are down by your side and someone takes a massive shot and your hands away from your body just hits your hand, we've seen it all the time where those are given because mm-hmm. the hand is blocking a shot, but it's not in an unnatural position. So that's, that's the whole thing for me is, it's still not clear, and this is just another yeah. situation that's not helping for yeah. consistency. I that's, think yeah, that's the big one. Consistency. No, I mean, because consistency. If, if his key. hands, if hands, his hands were by his side, and well, if his hands by his side, he's be, he's on in the hospital right now. Yeah, broken hand. <laughs> anyway, broken face. But uh, <laughs> I'm just saying, if 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 Brella took that shot and volleyed it and Mono was sitting there with his hands by his side away from his body and it hit his hand I can't confidently say if that would be a PK or not because I don't know if it's going to be an interpretation thing where it's like yeah your hand's too far away from your body or no it's in a natural position Yeah, which is my whole thing like we should be able to say for sure whether that would be a handball or not and right now we can't and clearly, you can't go to the player and say, "Hey, like, what were you doing there?" Right? Because he's going to say opposite, or he's going to say whatever's going to benefit him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I was just jumping. Like, that's just how my arm goes when I jump. Like, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So that's what I think needs to get solved because us three who watch soccer every week still can't say to if they a ask us soccer. that question, what is a handball? They we can't answer that question. So I can't tell someone like, "Hey, if someone rips a shot at me and I put my hands up to block my face, is that a handball?" I still can't say it like I know for sure because, you know, this wasn't given. But come but, Sunday, we'll probably see it given. Yeah, at some point, you know. Yeah. So that's that's my whole thing. I'm all for the notion, like if a ball's getting ripped at your face, the FIFA can't say like, "Oh, duck and get out of the way." Like I don't think that's the right answer. Um, but I think it's just got to get sorted out. I I can honestly tell you that FIFA would probably come back with the most political answer and say, "Oh, we're trying to prevent concussions and." player injuries so if he's blocking his head then it's it's okay but if he's blocking his genitals it's not okay or something like you know what i mean like they'd probably mm-hmm. play that card oh yeah. we, we want to you know cte is huge in the world of sport right now right so we're any head trauma we're trying to prevent from happening i, yeah. I guarantee you they would probably say, say, say something like that um 
to that note, uh, anyone, I'm doing a free promo here, I guess, but uh, do you Don't guys see the, see the see the trailer for uh, FIFA Uncovered coming out November 9th? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's coming out on Netflix. I thought uh, we should do like a reaction to that or something. Yeah. We'll do a reaction video or reaction podcast. Yeah. That's going to be a good one. So just kind of going on the insides of FIFA, um, obviously right before the World Cup, which Netflix <laughs> being being the company they are, just Ultimate timing. Being impeccable with their timing, uh, coming out with that uh, right before the World Cup starts, um, because you know FIFA is not uh, innocent to uh, just controversy and money issues. Um, so anyone that's interested in that, uh, I would keep an eye out. There you go, Netflix free promotion. But I'm Cause, yeah, because they need it. Yeah, because they definitely <laughs> need it from Footy Fans Podcast. <laughs> uh, I'm excited. No, it'd be a good watch for sure. And it's directly involved, uh, directly connected to this World Cup too. Yeah. The Qatar, like when they yeah. won the bid, that was like huge news. Like, why mm-hmm. is this small country in the Middle East hosting, hosting the biggest tournament in the world in the middle of winter? Yeah, so yeah, some, the the ropes and the things that FIFA and all the other countries participating have had to jump through. Like, it's been a whole mess. Um, not to mention, like you know, the the um, was it human rights? Yeah, mm-hmm. all that stuff going on with like what's been happening. That there's been death toll in Qatar based on the construction of the stadiums. And I'm pretty sure the documentary you must get into at some point um, because they'll uncover everything. And they do a good job of Netflix their documentaries. They've had a few different series mm-hmm. um, that I watched on there, and they they do a, a really good job. So it might be somewhat biased, but like when it comes against FIFA, it's like whose side are you gonna, whose side do you, like, do you really want to be mm-hmm. on? Like, yeah, everyone's probably gonna go against uh, the big guy there. But uh, that being said, we did have a ton of EPL action take place over the weekend. Two big losses from two teams that needed two big wins. <laughs> uh, I don't know where you want to start here, boys. Uh, red, I, red or blue? I definitely want to dive into Leeds right now. Okay, let's because go. Because this, uh, this is just more of what we talked about. Liverpool beating City uh, two weeks ago now. And uh, just thinking how, you know, they always show up with City. You know, they were at home. Um, and for them, then we talked about how it's a confident boost for them so and that- how they just drop points to Nottingham Forest. And we talk about how that's almost worse because you can't get momentum, but then to go and lose to Leeds at home, um, I think with Virgil van Dyke hasn't lost at home, uh, in a Premier League match, that this is like looking really bad for Liverpool right now. I yeah, we talked. I talked about how I didn't see them making top four. I probably want to just nail that on the head again, saying I really don't think they're going to make top four now because they they're just having issue after issue, week after week. And uh, if you can't beat Leeds and Nottingham Forest back to back weeks, then something's just systemically wrong with the club. Yeah, well said. I Joe. think uh, <laughs> Liverpool hopefully is going to benefit from this month off because Klopp's need some time to sit down and be like, what is going wrong at the club right now? Because it's just... It's just bad. Everything's just not... I think, you know what it is? They, they've had... They haven't brought in too, too many new people. I know... Um, so they obviously got Nunes, uh Colombian guy. Get his name Diaz. Um, Diaz. Diaz. Diaz is yeah. he complaining? I'm not even sure. So they they got so. them. 
Um, but they haven't really made like they're missing like something in their midfield. I know they got Tiago a couple seasons ago, but there's just not a lot of injection, particularly in the back line. They haven't had a lot of new, so it might just be getting stale. They like I've heard. Um, shout out to Stevie Nickel. <laughs> Uh, he said they're just not defending as a unit anymore. So I'm not sure where that's stemming from. If it's just, you know, complacency now, um, maybe, uh, you know, maybe because they don't have a lot of competition in the back line. Um, there's just never been a question about, you know, Alexander Arnold or Van Dyke or Gomez, whoever starting in the back. Fabinho. Or Fabinho. But like, they're just not really playing well. It's like, well, I got to keep playing because there's no one else really. So they don't really, they're missing a lot of depth and a lot of creativity, I think. And I don't know, Klopp's got to whip him into gear, but I'm not totally sure how he's going to do that. Um, I, if they don't figure it out, I mean, regardless, if they don't, whether they figure it out or not for this season, I think Liverpool is looking at another rebuilding couple of seasons next year and the season after that. Um, we'll have to see how that, that goes. Mm-hmm. We talked about it a couple of podcasts ago, I think with, like the whole Leicester saga and like what's happening with them right now too. And I think part of it stems to team chemistry, like Joe just kind of said, but also just like leadership roles. And I think Jeannie one Aldum leaving also is kind of a, like, I think that kind of hurts them a little bit because mm-hmm. he was like center, like center defensive mid. He was the kind of guy before the defenders. Right. And him, I think leaving on a free transfer to Roma, I believe PSG. PSG was a PSG. Yeah, I think he was one of the oh, okay, one of the magnificent, the magnificent. Oh, that's five. right, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> him leaving on the free to PSG. Like, what a missed opportunity that was for Liverpool to maybe get some bucks for, uh, for him. But um, I think he might have been just a glue guy for them too, because yeah. like Milner is obviously up there in age now. Henderson's not as spry as he used to be, and he's not even getting as many starts as he used to. Naby Keita injury like is tough as well. But I think like one of them being there was kind of like okay. We have all these guys around us that are kind of newer to the club with like Keita and Tiago, but Juan Alban's been here forever. He knows like what the club does, how to get wins, and then he just like leaves. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. well now your back four is exposed because like you're solid Busquets style player who you've had for, you know, a long time now is like just gone. Yeah. So I think, and again, we don't know like how much involvement these kind of players have in the locker room, but he could have been like a really good like locker room guy. Mm-hmm. Um you know, if uh, players could have liked him and got along with him really well, you never know like what the other like intangibles are when it comes to footy. Um, but I think him leaving might have something to do with it because they've just been like Liverpool used to be like the standard almost, like along with like yeah. City, like how to play. Like, yeah. From from goalkeeper, from defense to midfield to attack, they were just like lights out. Yeah. And then in the course of two seasons, they lose one out of them and. Sadio Mane. <laughs> Certain Sadio Mane who uh I mean Van Aldum leaving, we didn't see too much of a difference from Liverpool last year. Um their midfield there wasn't a lot of creativity from the midfield and like all the the goals were coming from the strikers, which was the issue. But now Mane leaving. I mean it's for thirty million. Hole, like that's I mean, I see a lot of people online saying it's how um it's very clear now that Mane was like the glue holding the attack together. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's true. I mean, even last season, like Mane was just so threatening when I mean, you saw had his spurts, but that's why I was surprised how, I don't know what happened with the board, but they were just prioritizing getting solid new contract over Mane. Um, 
and now he's at Byron and he's probably pretty happy that he left. He's like, Oh, I just left the sinking ship, but yeah, could be a situation where the ship is sinking because he left. Not too sure. <laughs> yeah. Way to go, Sadio. <laughs> I like, I like this, uh, Brendan Rogers thing you have here. Um, yeah. Rogers fired during the 2015, 2016 season by having a three, two and three record through the first eight matches of the season. Uh, Klopp came in, uh, to Liverpool finished eight that year. And Klopp currently has a four, four, and four record, uh, which uh, isn't too far away from three, two, and three. Mm-hmm. Uh, is he on the hot seat? I don't think so. That's the thing. I find it straight. It is. I think it goes to what Joe was saying with complacency, um, which is strange for me because I, especially being a pro soccer player. I I obviously can't speak from how it would feel because obviously I have no idea. But to me, it just playing in games, you I feel like you always play. You know, being a pro athlete, you're there because you put in the performances. I'm not sure how much complacency would fit and play into that because, you know, I haven't met anyone that's played at that highest level. Um, But it is weird where it just feels like it is the same team and they were doing so well two and three seasons ago. And it's still the same team with like, except with the exception of a few players. So it does feel like it's just the same. <laughs> <laughs> same team. Is just through. But no, I get what you're saying. No, I mean, it's like, yeah, just. Yeah. Right. But like, like Joe was saying with a lot of the, uh, you know, their, their midfield and their D, you know, they, they have Diaz a friend, they have Nunez, but you know, you have Salah still there. Um, you know, his spots probably not feeling really threatened Fabino's back in there with Mane leaving. Uh, so with the players that they did miss, they brought in players that were accustomed to already seeing at Liverpool. And it, it does feel just a little flat from all of them. It does. There's not that spark there. And yeah, you know, you would hope it's not a situation that they're like, oh, my spot's secured, so, like, I'm good. Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably the case. Well, oftentimes, mm-hmm. when you do see teams get, quote, flashed, it's the manager's job to motivate and yeah. you know, get the best out of the players. So that's kind of maybe where people might see Klopp as not... I don't want Yeah, he's been so successful. I don't want to say he's been, like, overstated as welcome, but it's become just, like, stagnant. Yeah. 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 If like, if they were to get rid of Klopp, like I, they're not going. I would to. be. I would be shocked. Like you. There's not gonna. Happen. I mean, my, um, he, there's no. There's no way. Like he Klopp, signed new five year contract. I think last season and the last season. Yeah, I mean they could. Still, they still could. Still, they do. But it's yeah. I mean, that's thing. It's still. I still want to see Liverpool. You know, see him through because he's obviously one of the best managers in the world. You're not. Who are you gonna find if not Klopp? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's just something. For me, it's a player issue more than a manager issue. Uh, I think the players got to play better and maybe they need to fill in a few gaps. Uh, but this, this is definitely not a, we got to find a new manager and get more out of the, uh, I mean, you do have to get more out of the players, but I don't think it's, um, something that 
you, you're going to get from just a new manager coming they, in. Uh, they need they need the board to because you look at City. City had a great season last season. They they won, but they still signed what five players last mm-hmm. year. They got Holland, Alvarez, um, Kanji. Who's that? Kanji. A Kanji. <laughs> just like unreal. Like about fifteen million. Did they get? I think. 15 crazy fine and it's just like they're they just add these players um and they got sergio gomez and calvin phillips so it's six players um and yeah they're they're maybe they're not at the caliber as like uh, they're a lot of them aren't starters they have the kanji who's just like that's another story altogether but now it's like rodri's like oh like i even though i know he's he's obviously better than calvin phillips um, but he knows like I had to perform cause I have another CDM at the club for my spot. Like you look at Liverpool, it's like no one's take, no one was pushing Alexander Arnold's spot, but he's just playing so bad that now they have to put like Gomez there, even though he's a center back or whatever it is. So I think they, and I don't know how much money the board has to spend, um, I haven't looked at the books, but they do need like an injection of players so that they can push a lot of these players that are getting to the end of their careers. Like Henderson's obviously a vet now. Van Dyke's going to be a vet <laughs> soon. They have to have a plan. Yeah, they need a plan for their new back line. They basically sat with Robertson, Van Dyke, Gomez, and Arnold for like four years. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, um, it might just be coming stale in the boardroom because like. Klopp's going to keep saying these things and a lot of players aren't going to care. It's like, well, I'm going to play on Sunday. So like, I don't know what's going on in the, in the dressing room, but if I knew I was going to start every single game, like I wouldn't be as toned in to like what mm-hmm. the, which goes to sh- like when you see uh, Pep and Arteta talk in the dressing room, they're like pushing for those guys. And a lot of those guys like, yeah, like I have to perform. Um, so yeah, I think that's the main issue. They got to sign like six players, even if they know they're not going to be the starters. They got to go find these up and coming people so they can a put pressure on the starter starting lineup, and then have like the next gen come through. I think a big reason why Liverpool didn't do successful wasn't successful last season was because like injuries played a key factor, and they didn't have mm-hmm. that like depth behind them. And then now they still have some injuries here and there, but they are a healthier squad. But they just lack quality talent depth. Yeah. Yeah. But now it's like you're finally kind of healthy with most of your guys, but like you just, they're just not as good. Yeah. It's just not there anymore. So, like you said, it really did come to um, with just not having any motivation like within uh, the team to push anybody. That's, we see that all throughout the league too, and a lot, a lot of other teams kind of similar. But um, yeah, it's, I don't know if they actually try and grow from within now. Like through youth academy, we've seen players emerge like Ethan Robertson, you said, and Arnold. And yeah. Henry say how like you look at pep and he has a lot of guys that start a lot of the games obviously a lot of defenders obviously de bruyne um 
but like he's always adamant he's like i'm always putting like people in games because like you can't just have all these guys sit on the bench and never use them because then when you need them they're not gonna be good so that's why you always see like <laughs> a lot of times Hallam's on two goals and like he wants to stay in he's like no like game's done i gotta put in alvarez and like he has to give these guys game time um because mm-hmm. like god forbid something happened to holland he's like well alvarez you're i need i need you now so uh so yeah i think a lot of teams start like they have to start i mean it's a lot easier for city when you can like go into games be three nil up at half and like have the opportunity to do that a lot of teams don't really do that and you just have to like grind it out with your starting 11 but liverpool i think they were in a situation over the last three years where they should have been like looking okay we need like another defender we need two midfielders and we have to like start easing them into the side um but that just wasn't getting done That's uh, that's if if they lose that one, um, what they're gonna be, they might drop to eleventh. What so is that? To see Liverpool, uh, bottom half of the table after thirteen games. Is that game like, on Monday? Yeah, it's Sunday. Oh, Sunday. Um, yeah, I mean, you know. 13 games in, table's starting to take shape. Uh, it's going to take a lot for Liverpool to go on a resurgence. And like we've talked about, if if it didn't happen against beating City, like it's gotta it's gotta happen beating one of the top teams. Like you can't you cannot drop points uh, for every uh, top team you play. I mean, because they they've they've just been dropping points, you know, to everyone. But like especially if you're dropping points with people ahead of you. Um, drop points of people in the relegation zone. <laughs> Not even like people ahead of you. Like, okay, you lose to City. I mean, if they would have lost to City but won the other three games that they should have won, that would have been like, okay, fine. But they beat City and then lost to Nottingham and Leeds. It's like, what is happening? Yeah. Like, I'm so confused. Yeah. Yeah. Like something says, especially at this point in the season, they're the third, fourth game, and then okay, it's time to understand that. I mean, you're in the chirping arse, so we can really give attention to that season. Is there still low on the table by the third or fourth game? This is 12 games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, see, we're, you're in the season. Yeah. You're in the season. Yeah, we are defin
maybe they're in hot water. What what other analogy can we use for this team right now? Not doing too good. They're, boiling water. Boiling water. <laughs> there is there's a good comment I saw um, where it said um, Potter is still getting the best out of Brighton, or good to see Potter still getting the best out of Brighton. That's funny, but it's not funny. <laughs> it's good, but it hurts. Um, yeah, uh, Chelsea Grand Potter's return home to Brighton, where he spent the last four seasons. Question mark. I think. Um, obviously brought them up from uh, the championship division into the Premier League, and he's been there for a few years now. Had them in the top four at the time of his departure to join Chelsea. He brings them back to the Annex Arena. Amex Arena? One of the arenas. Um, mm. And uh, they get destroyed. 4-1. Yeah. I mean, that could, that could not have gone worse. <laughs> Maybe 4 nothing would have been worse. But uh, 4-1 win, I'll give it to Brighton. Uh, they came out and played well. And it was honestly from the get-go of this match. Like, if you turned on the first 10 minutes, you would have been like, wow, Chelsea is struggling. Mm-hmm. It was defensive breakdowns. It was turnovers. Thiago Silva, I think, really showed his age for the first time. Like, he's 39 years old. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. He's up there. And he was causing turnovers. He also had two goal line clearances in the same you know, couple minutes span. It was it was nuts. It was a chaotic game, and for Chelsea to come out as flat as they did, knowing the emotion coming into this game and knowing how Brighton was going to come out, obviously really strong, being at home, wanting a win under their under their new manager, Roberto De Zerbi, the Italian, um, still missing a win up until this point since he's been there. Just knowing that that like, this is all the things like happening in this game. Like mm-hmm. you can't come out flat as you did, like yeah. You got to be the one on the front foot. You have to be the one putting the pressure on. And you know, it, it is a tough place to play at Brighton. We've seen that in the past with other other top clubs having a hard time to get uh, get results there. But four one is four one. Yeah, yeah. And Trossard's having like a really good yeah. run of games right yeah. now. Uh, he's just scoring against all the top sides. Which can't is really stop. Good really good to see, but. Yeah, four one loss. Um, that's 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 a tough one to take on the chin uh, <laughs> for Potter and Chelsea as a whole. Uh, yeah, and it just goes to show where uh, I think Chelsea is going to struggle for that top four spot. You know, last season we saw them, you know, being in that three legged run for uh, the the top of the table for a little bit until City and Liverpool started running away with it. Uh, this year, it's it's looking like it's going to be a tough run to even make Champions League. So uh, we can see how they're really missing James right now. Yeah. Um, just like a, a really big gap there. Uh, so hopefully he gets a speedy recovery. Um, do you want to touch on Thiago Silva? Because, yeah, I mean, just saying as it is that he cost them the the – the first first goal, I think it was first goal, yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just I don't know how much his age has to do with it. I mean, being thirty eight, you're you got like one or two seasons left. What in you? <laughs> I think you should be. She should have been done like three years ago. Well, I mean, 
He it, maybe he's good you, though. He still is good. Yeah, like maybe you can get away with it being a center back. I mean, you're obviously not going to be a winger at 38. Um, but yeah, even with that, I mean, you can see that he's maybe not as sharp as he used to be. So I'm not sure how much that's playing into it. But I, I, they were pretty soft. So I think they could have been avoided regardless of his age. So I don't know. I, I, I'll be shocked to see him there when he turns 40, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I'm not even sure like what his contract is, to be honest, like what he has left. Yeah, I think he was brought in more for the experience. And, you know, he did come in and he was just a leader for a while. Um, I mean, he still does have it, but like you said, 39 years old. Um, He's 38. I did fact check. 38. 38. Uh, but still, it's tough. Like, you're, you're right up there. Um, and especially as a center back, uh, you can't make mistakes. I mean, if you're like Ronaldo, Zlatan, obviously they're getting up there in age, but as a number nine, um, if you make a mistake, you're not going to cost your team a goal. Um, obviously, you have to still be sharp if you're expected to score, and scoring is the hardest thing. Yeah. But when you make a mistake that costs you a goal, it's like all eyes on you all the time. So it's it's very tough. Um, but I mean, he'll, I'm sure he'll still be there maybe for a couple of years still using all the experience he does have um but yeah they do have to i mean i know they brought in Koulibaly, um but they do have to start uh thinking about what is what's their center back pairing going to look like post Thiago Silva cuz that's going to come sooner rather than later well i think this this is kind of a repercussion to what happened towards the end of last season and like with the whole Abramovich team going out and Todd Bowley coming in whole new staff and whatever it is they just kind of shot themselves in the foot with letting Rudiger go and yeah. Christensen go. And uh, Kurt Zuma left the team like a season before to go to West Ham. Like they were letting center backs go left and right. And then they bring in Togo Silva. And I don't think he was meant to be like the guy. Yeah. But he's playing every important game for them up until their Champions League game today. Actually, this is Wednesday. We're, rec- we're recording this. He played the last three Premier League games all 90 minutes. I don't think he was like meant to do that. Yeah. And with Koulibaly being injured and then coming back, he was forced to play big time minutes. And I think like this game obviously against Brighton was like the last um, game that he played before this Champions League game, which Chelsea already had the spot sealed in the bag. So he didn't have to start. So knowing this is going to be his last game, maybe it was like, okay, Thiago gave us like one more and then you can take a break for the Champions League game. But he Mm -hmm. was just like dead like this match. Yeah, and the schedules were were um kind of jumbled together because there was midweek games last week too. So there was a whole scheduling conflict going on for a thirty eight year old guy to try and like fit in ninety minutes for three games in a row within like a ten day span. Like, that's that's tough on the body. Mm-hmm. And I think he might have just like, you know, he's starting to feel it. And if you come at him ten years ago, he would say, "Yeah, no, sure, no problem. I can play forty games in a row at ninety minutes." You know, like most center backs do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just costly and obviously getting four goals scored against you is, is never fun. It's never good, but only scoring one goal in return, like Chelsea's just, they're, they're kind of a mess right now. Like, and I think they're really hurting, like Sando said, not having Reese James in the lineup this, for these last few weeks and it's starting to show. It really is. It sucks. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. There, he is recovering right now. Um, and they brought in Fofana too from from uh, Leicester from Leicester, but as soon as he comes in, of course, he gets hurt too. It's just a kind of a 
I don't want to call it a curse season for Chelsea right now, but it's just been an unlucky one. Yeah. And um, yeah. Well, I'm, and I go back to, I mean, I know they signed all those players under Tuchel um, for his system. So now Potter is just kind of in there and he's That's trying true to too. make yeah. it work. Um, so it might be a combination of that. And, you know, he's has all these players on the team that maybe isn't, a hundred percent what he needs to play his style. Um, obviously all the players that are world-class, so, um, they should be able to make it work, but it's just tough. Obviously with the new manager coming in, you have injuries. Everyone's just trying to settle in, but I think <clears throat> we'll see what happens after the break. If they can do anything in the January transfer window, but I think if they can stay semi-competitive for top four and then, see what happens next summer in the transfer window, bring in some, we'll see what they do in the summer to really build it. See if they even are going to attempt to build a team around Graham Potter. If they think long-term he's going to be the guy. I think they signed him for a long, a long contract. Already. Yeah. It's like three or four years. Okay. So yeah, then we'll have to see what they do in the summer. Um, see what they invest and in, uh, if they're going to bring in a bunch of players, that's going to fit like what he wants to do. Uh, so yeah, I don't, I don't think anything's going to happen for them this season, to be honest. I think top, top four is going to be a struggle. Um, cause oddly enough to say, I think Man U is looking the most promising or Newcastle. Stop. That was true. I mean, right now, you know, 10 hags. Maybe Newcastle, stop with Man U. I, yeah, I think if, if he can be competitive for top four, I think that would be a successful season for him. Cause yeah. I think that's basically all he can do. Just being put in the position that he's been put into, uh, but they they have to win against Newcastle or just get some sort of result. Otherwise, Newcastle is going to be sitting. Uh, where are they going to be sitting? I think seven points ahead mm-hmm. of them. With they're going to be six points ahead of them. Um, Chelsea would have a game in hand, uh, but that's they have to get some sort of result there um, because Newcastle is on a roll right now. And just for just for, just for Chelsea's sake too, of course, impeccable time and coming against Arsenal this weekend. Um, I mean, like you, this is the time that you need to face a Wolves or you need to say, face an Aston Villa, and they're going against the best team in the league. Um, this uh, this Sunday, yeah, this yeah. Sunday. So that'd be good. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's huge. I mean, if they can get a result there, and then yeah. like I said, um, get a result against Newcastle. Uh, that's going to put them in a really good spot. Um, two big games back to back. Um, we'll see. We'll see what they can come up with. Yeah. And speaking of Newcastle, like we just kind of touched on, they're they're threatening. Yeah. They need to come off a four nil shellacking of um. Would they beat four nil? Of Aston Villa, Steven Gerrard. We also have to low key say, um, thanks for your time spent at Villa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, can't say we. Didn't maybe see it coming. Uh, we haven't really had much Villa discussion on this podcast. If you're a longtime listener, and it's because they just finish in like 13th place all the time, mm-hmm. and they're you know they're inconsistent. They have a weird mix of players, like obviously with Coutinho being there, and um, who else could be there? Ashley Young's there. Ashley Young, yeah, they have good players. It's just wasn't working out. Yeah, and I, I don't know if Jared made a jump too quick, like we've seen before, like with Lampard coming to the Premier League. It just kind of goes to show, like, you know, Premier League uh, legends don't always turn out to be Premier League legendary coaches, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Lampard's kind of steering the ship in the right direction with Everton, but 
Uh, Jared just couldn't get it done, but I don't think we'll see the end of him, the last of him. Mm-mm. When it comes to the Premier League, he'll probably get another coaching gig somewhere else. Um, you know, maybe go back to Rangers and you know, help them get another Scottish title under their belt or progress into Champions League next season or a couple of years from now. We'll see. But he's a good manager. I don't think he, you know, ruffled any feathers when he was there. I think the team just didn't get results. And at the end of the day, that's kind of what make or breaks your career as a manager. Um, but yeah, as far as Newcastle's case, I mean, they're just, Eddie Howe has got these guys playing incredible football right now. Um, 20, how was the goal total there? 24 goals for the season, 10 goals against, best goals against record in the league. And they're just continuing to roll. Like, I don't, I don't see this team slowing down right now. Yeah, I think it's super exciting to be a Newcastle fan right now. I gotta get uh, my jersey. Yeah, you gotta get it. <laughs> I think I think that was part of the agreement last year. So now, now I'll sound like a, I'll feel like a bandwagon guy now because like they're actually rolling. It's like yeah, the worst time to get it. Last year was the time to get it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, just they're they're playing super well. I do like how it feels like they're being methodical with any new signings. Uh. They they kind of they kind of have the world as their oyster right now. I mean, with putting nice. good performances with the team that. They have, you know, sitting in fourth place right now after 13 games is probably way better than they would have expected uh, coming into this season um, with having just, you know, a pretty good relegation battle for a lot of last season. Um, I'm just excited to see what new signings are going to bring in. Um, We've talked about it where, you know, you have players like Hazard, you have, um, you know, I can't think of anyone else that me and Joe have talked about. Are there links? Ahead. Wasn't Deli Alley linked or something? Uh, well, even a player like Deli Alley, season, we think. see these players that, you know, obviously have the potential but aren't getting into these big clubs for whatever reason, whether it's injury or they're just not putting in the performances. Those are players I can see going to Newcastle because I think they would add a lot of value to the team um, with their experience. And just being able to start building up the club to where they're just continual uh, Champions League contenders. So I I like what's going on there. And I just hope Eddie Howe is the guy that stays there for a while. Because I really like him as a manager. And I think it'd be cool to see him just stay there long term. Yeah. I'm just curious who's going to be... Because obviously at some point, um, they're... They're gonna make a splat. Like, yeah, they're gonna sign like players like this, uh, Gallagher, uh, who Joao Pedro. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just guy like just hardworking guys that are. I think that's the route you want to go at, especially at the start. You don't want to bring in superstars that um, aren't gonna work hard. I'm just curious who's gonna be like the first like big signing. Like who's gonna be the first. Um, uh, like, like I would have thought, yeah, like Stir- world class. Yeah, like yeah. I would have thought Sterling might have been someone that would have made sense to go to Newcastle, um, but they didn't go for that. That might have been early. But someone like I would have thought, and I heard the pundits talk about this, Pulisic. That would have been a gr- like Newcastle would have been probably the perfect move for Pulisic mm-hmm. um, in the window because he just wasn't getting in under Tuchel. Um, he was looking for playing time. He's the kind of player that like just really wants to play. He's going to work hard. I thought that, like, when I heard that coming out, I thought that is just a really good move for basically everyone involved. Um, but then it just didn't happen, and I think the punters were saying how, like, his agents let him down on that one because that would have been smart. Yeah. Um, 
disgruntled winger needs playing time. Yeah. Worth, you know, still get a good paycheck for him. Or a, not paycheck, but a, a transfer transfer sum. Transfer yeah. fee, sorry, for him. Um, yeah, no, that that would have, like, maybe sparked his career again. Kind of kick-started his career. Yeah. I think he did leave Dortmund to Chelsea, like, a little too soon. Yeah. Because it's, like, when he came to Chelsea, he was, like, being branded as, like, the American showing up. And he was, like, the best yeah. you know, Captain America he was being called and all that kind of shit. Yeah. And he came and, like, just didn't really do anything. Yeah. Like, he had spurts, and he did have injury bugs, too. But, yeah, the the baggage that he came with, like, from Dortmund to Chelsea was just, like, you're, like, the next guy for our team. You're going to be the next yeah. you know, Hazard. He wore number 10 for us. Like, yeah. that was Hazard's number. That was William's number. Like, you know? Mm-hmm. And now this guy's barely even playing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think a player like that, <laughs> you bring up William, I don't even know where he is, but, like, a player he, like... He's Will- at Fulham. Is he at Fulham? Yeah. He just scored his first goal, I think. Interesting. But no, guys like that, um, that just really want to work hard, play for the club, I could see, you know, maybe that's going to be the first big signing for Newcastle, but we'll have to see. Because I know, I remember when, um, I mean, City moved really quick when they got all the money. They sent Rubinho like the next day. That was like the biggest deal that that ever, that was (laughs) the biggest deal that ever happened in soccer. Um, So yeah, we'll see. We'll see who their their guy is. That's gonna be like, oh, now, like all the. I mean, what I would really like to see, um, because like you look at the squad now and they're crushing teams like Chelsea. So who am I to say that they even need anyone like that? Like Eddie Howe's getting the best out of, um, Almiron, Almiron, and uh, Jolington. Like yeah, just all these guys are just all crushing it. So, um. Yeah, for all I know, they could just be like top four. It's like, oh, we don't really have to splash any cash because uh, the team's getting along well. Um, so I think they'll be they'll be a little bit smart and be like, who's gonna who can we bring in that's gonna like add to the culture um, and fit into the system and get along with the guys more so than just like, oh, who are the who are the players you can bring in on paper that are good? Because mm-hmm. you see all the time you get those players and they never end up <laughs> half the time they don't end up working out anyway. So. Yeah, I was just doing some quick research here. They did sign Alexander Isak to uh, a contract at the beginning of the year. Um, Swedish forward. He's been around over a long time in like the European, um, European teams. Uh, who did he come from? Real Sociedad. I think he's somewhere else before that too. He might have been like in Sweden or maybe I don't know. One of the Dutch teams. I can't remember. But they signed him for sixty million pounds at the beginning of the season, and he just he's been injured. I mean, yeah. I think it's since the since the signing almost. There you go. But that's like another like world class, quote unquote, striker. That is just like waiting in the weeds to come in, like yeah. just to add, you know, just to add to the the attack that they have. Callum Wilson's been um, showing up for them too. The striker for, uh, has put up two goals uh, recently against um, against Villa, and maybe he kind of is like feeling the pressure from Isak coming back. Like we touched on, even with like Liverpool, he's playing better. He's upping his game because he knows yeah. coming back from injury is a guy that's probably worth more than him to the club he probably gets paid more than him now because he's a bigger name uh player mm-hmm. so now he's working that much harder and he's been putting on a great performance as well and like joe said he's been getting the best uh, eddie house been getting the best out of his players this season so like if you do throw someone else in the mix like could it disgruntled the team could it help the team yeah obviously like in the locker room they're probably different mentality than what we think or even like on the training ground you know i'm sure they probably all do get along it's not like bad blood between players but 
when you do have like a solid core going forward that all play well together, like why would you want to throw, yeah, you know, someone else into the into the lion's den when you already have, like already have successful <laughs> yeah. players, right? Last thing you want to do is like, oh, let's go buy Lewandowski and Mbappe and like, yeah. <laughs> just like, what is <laughs> happening to the team? Well, because you saw with PSG, they got what Messi, Sergio Ramos, um, uh, Wijnaldum, uh, Donnarumma. Donnarumma, and uh, Hakimi. And like Messi's, you know, like Messi and Donnarumma are the only ones who really, really play. Um, Sergio almost maybe a bit, but like you can't just buy these superstars and just throw them in a team. It's like, oh, I got, I bought eleven players. Go make it work. Yeah, it's not, not how happen. it works. No, never. Um, but yeah, no, they're yeah, they're killing it. But they are playing against the trap game of all trap games this weekend. Southampton away at Southampton. Yeah. So if they are to drop points, <laughs> I mean. This- this it might, the, it might be now. This is the test. Southampton in the way is the test. <laughs> Southampton sitting in. Oh, I just had him on here. What place are they in? Southampton's currently sitting in 17th. That's right where they're supposed to be. That's one, exactly where they're supposed to be. The one gun. point above the relegation zone. Made the. I think we made the the meme. Uh, I mean, this is lower than mid table, but yeah, Southampton always takes points from the top teams. Always in the bottom half of the table. 100%. Sitting 12th right now. Uh, which is really scary because uh, I don't think I've ever seen an EPL table with oh, Southampton and or Stoke at least in it. Oh, how Stoke doing the championship? I don't know, but <laughs> yeah, one of one of the Southampton or Stoke need to be in the EPL. Like, yeah, they just have mm-hmm. to be there. Or Sunderland. One of the stripes team. The, stri- the, the we need to see. We need white and red stripes in the Premier League. We need at yeah. least one. Brentford. I think Brentford has some stripes. Yeah, Brentford they do. Is white, but they're not. They're not Southampton, Sunderland. Or <laughs> no, they're not. They, they're they're, they're a different team. They're yeah. still new to the game. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Southampton is right where they want to be for this game. <laughs> in seventeenth place. In seventeenth place. And Newcastle sees them. They know it. They know that they're there. They know that they're going to the Lions Den of St Mary's. Yeah, fuck! They're gonna lose this game. <laughs> um, this is, these are the games Southampton were born to win. Hundred <laughs> percent. Uh, as far as the other teams they're around, they're still the... gonna stay in seventeenth place after they win this game. <laughs> yeah, no, they won't somehow move. they won't move. Asin, they'll <laughs> ask to stay there. They're like, we'll yeah. win, but just don't give us the points. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll, we'll just stay. West well, Ham, Bournemouth, Leeds, and Villa are all gonna win their games <laughs> somehow. Yeah, they'll just stay there in seventeenth. And, then, like, and oh. Leicester, Wolves, and Non will just all drop points. Yeah. Um. Yeah, the other teams around the top four, top five, Tottenham and Man United getting some must-needed victories um, over the weekend. Spurs beating Bournemouth 3-2, coming off a defeat against Newcastle, and United beating West Ham 1-0. Rashford with a really nice uh, head ball goal. Like he scored in that one. Um, Tottenham third, uh, Man United fifth, separated by three points. Man U has one game in hand, so if you know, call them the win, that puts them right on par with uh, Tottenham in third. Do we see them pushing towards top four a little bit more? Do we see them overcoming Tottenham possibly in, in the next couple uh, weeks? Do we see Newcastle staying there? Like, what's going to happen? Do you guys think between Man U, Tottenham, Newcastle, kind of like that weird grouping of players, well, of uh, teams? Sorry, I I think it, that's going to be the top four battle uh, for mm-hmm. the season. Um, Man U's just getting the performances. Uh, I think Ten Hag's getting the best of the players, and they're actually starting to play well. It's it's weird. It feels 
it feels like we're starting to see a new menu starting to emerge, but they still have some of the players that are like the old mm-hmm. menu. So I think that's what's keeping them from really getting to the next level. But I don't, I see them just putting in the performances and competing for that top four spot because I still would be really surprised if Newcastle does pull through into top four. I think that that'd be a massive accomplishment for them. Um, but I also don't know who else. Like I think Manu, uh, but that would also be huge for them to make top four. So it's it's this weird dynamic where Chelsea's not really playing well, Liverpool's really not playing well. So I just don't know which of Newcastle or Manu are going to be the team that really holds out and puts in the performances and finishes top four. Because I'm not used to seeing either of them mm-hmm. there, right? Yeah. Yeah, in the last couple of seasons especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I th- I don't know. Um, I'm curious to see who... I would imagine Man U and Tottenham have more international players than Newcastle. But I'm not totally sure. Uh, I don't know. I just want to... I'd be curious to see how many players... Because I think that's going to be... I keep going on with this double league league right now. Um players are going to come back injured and gassed from the world cup. And I think if, uh, whichever team can get that right. Um, in the, especially cause they're coming back and they're going right to the Christmas break. where you are playing like what, three or four games in mm-hmm. like a week and a half, yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever it is. So if one team can pick up four points and start pulling away from, or four wins out of those and start pulling away from the other ones, I think that's going to be a really big boost for them. Um, so I think, We'll see what the what the top four is looking like. Come when would it be like January seventeenth or whatever it is? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, what yeah. do you think that suits? Do you think coming back from the international break suits a club like United better or Newcastle? Just like with, with like dealing with player fatigue or dealing with player morale. Do you think it like really matters between like a top club and a newer top club like Newcastle is? I think it just matters how many players they have at the World Cup. Um, right. You would think on paper, like United would have better players that might push further. Yeah. Because um, all the head, like a Sam Maximan, I'm not even sure if he signed with. Yeah. Signed. Uh, part of the French team going forward to the World Cup. Yeah. Um, Almiron, I'm not even actually sure where he's from. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, like players, you would imagine players like, Ra- I mean, De Gea is not even going to the World Cup, which is kind of strange, but, you know, players like Rashford, Anthony, who's on Brazil. Um, you know, you have a lot of these guys who they could easily get to the semis quarterfinals of the World Cup. So uh, we'll have to see how they do uh, with that. Because, yeah, if they have a deep run, they're obviously going to be more fatigued. Yeah, and just looking at what Manchester United have done since that beatdown from Man City, in all competitions, they've gotten six wins and two draws. And that's including their Europa League matches. And the two draws were against Newcastle and the late one against Chelsea. So Mm -hmm. they've done exactly what they've had to do. They squeaked out a win um, against West Ham. They, you know, beat Tottenham at home like they they had to. They beat Everton away, which they always play a tough game against them. And in their next schedule coming forward, they got Villa, they got Fulham, they got Nottingham Forest, Wolves, like bottom feeder teams that they can just eat up on, Mm -hmm. um, come back from the international break. So... Just in the case of Man U or Tottenham or Newcastle, I think they might have the upper hand 
when it comes to the schedule. Uh, let's see, see, see what Newcastle has coming back. Um, they got Leicester, Leeds, Arsenal on January the 3rd. So, I mean, still two gettable games in their eyes. They'll see those games against Leicester and, and Leeds as, pos- as possible wins or probable wins with a nice tough battle against Arsenal um, come mm-hmm. the new year. But yeah, it's it's gonna be good to watch, man. I'm really I'm really impressed with Newcastle. Uh, I think the the Tifo Live uh, YouTube account has done a couple of videos about them and like why they're doing so well under Eddie Howe. Mm-hmm. So if you guys want to check that out, another free plug, I guess, for a, for a YouTube channel. Um, but yeah, they they did a couple of videos just like what strategically and tactically they've kind of done differently this year as opposed to under Steve Bruce in years of past. And what's kind of just worked for them? Because mm-hmm. again, it is like every every manager has, every manager wants to kind of do the same thing. They want to have high pressure. They want to turn turnovers into goals and whatever. But not every team can do that. Not every team is built that way to do that. Right. And with Eddie Howe coming in when he did last year, and then having the break, and having the summer holiday to you know get players to kind of fit his system. Again, I've said it before a million times. It just takes time. Yeah, like players, uh, coaches, fans, everyone just need to be patient at times. And I think right now with the whole Chelsea thing with Graham Potter, kind of taking it full circle, it's just you need patience. Yeah, give the guy time. Again, this isn't even his squad that he put together. He's just dealing with what he has in in Graham Potter's case. So I'm not one of those fans who's like needs results now. I understand. That things take time. Of course, I would like to see trophies so that my team can win. They can win possibly Champions League. They're still in the you know EFL Cup and still in the FA Cup. Obviously, like this early in the season, so they mm-hmm. can still get still get trophies. But the one I do want to chase after is always the Premier League. And I just know this Chelsea squad isn't built that way. Um, well, this season so far, but I'm yeah. I'm down to see what Potter can do. I'm down to see what you know Eddie Howe can do. Of course, I'd love to see. As a neutral, I'd love to see Newcastle up there in the top four. Yeah. Do I hope they bounce Chelsea out of it? Of course not. Like, no. Um, do I hope Chelsea wins the Champions League this year to kind of just solidify themselves for next year? Because I don't know yeah. what's going to happen this in the Premier League season. Yes, I would love that. Um, but yeah, no, we got, we're going to we still have a ton of footy ahead. Like I said, we're almost a third of the way into the season. Yep. But with Joe keeps alluding to it, this two season season. Mm-hmm. Like that's it's gonna come down to literally like the end of the year, possibly the end yeah. of the Premier League season, to really find who's gonna make it or break it for the for the top or bottom of the table. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, just looking at the weekend schedule ahead, I kind of we touched on it a little bit earlier, but um, let's see what really stands out. Man City plays against Fulham. Everton, Leicester, Chelsea, and Arsenal, London Derby. This is at the bridge, I believe. Yep. So, I mean, oh, God. This team stretches me out, man. This team really stretches me out. I was <laughs> no, like, no, it's, gonna, it's a big game. <laughs> like, I was watching the game against Brighton, and I think I had to leave to go somewhere, like in the 20 something minutes. So, I think the second goal just got put in, and I was pissed. I was upset. I left the house. We had to go. I think we went trick or treating with the kids to like some uh, shopping mall or something. Yeah. And so I was tracking the game on my phone. I get an update. I'm like, oh, okay, Chelsea probably scored. It's three nothing. Oh, okay. Another update. Okay, Chelsea pulled one back. Let's go, boys. Like just after halftime. Another update. Four one. End of the game. And 
I didn't like make a scene because I was with people, but Kelly could tell that I was like a little annoyed at something. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, that's just this fucking team. And she goes, you said that last week. Like, why do you, why do you watch them still? I'm like, because <laughs> they're have my, to. they're my team. Like, yeah, I, I, I watch soccer. I watch basketball. I watch football, hockey. I have a team that I, I follow almost in every league, but like, I'm not attached to those teams. Like I am to Chelsea. Yeah. And I don't know if it's just the footy of it. If it's just me and like my attachment to the team or not, but like they genuinely make me upset. Yeah. And a four, one loss. Like I said, it's, on the score sheet, it's terrible, but the way that it was done is like a yeah. whole another story. They just got dismantled by Brighton. Yeah. No slight at Brighton, no slight at them, but it's Brighton. Yeah. It's not Man City. It's not Liverpool. It's not Arsenal. Who, like whatever, take your pick. It's Brighton away. Yeah. Tough. Yeah. Yes. It's, uh, it's you know we touched on it a lot. Like when you're when you're top side, quote unquote top side, and you get handled by i guess quote unquote one of the lower sides it's like the most frustrating it's the games you should win and you're not and those are the games you need to win to make champions league so uh they're just they're just simply games you can't can't be losing this is why i never bet on my team either yeah i don't i don't bet my team in any sport because i can't have that riding on it too i can't have like emotion on (laughs) emotion and yeah emotion plus money not good oh the worst um Fun little schedule here. Actually, this weekend it's uh, we have four games on Saturday at 11 a.m. our time in the Eastern East Eastern Coast East what's Eastern it? Standard Time Eastern Standard Time. Oh, Jesus Christ, Eastern Standard Time 11 a.m. on Saturday, and then Sunday Chelsea and Arsenal have the early game at seven, and then you have a block of three games at the nine o'clock time slot, and then Tottenham and Liverpool at 11:30 on Sunday. So park your ass on the couch on Sunday. Because from 7 a.m. until, you know, 1.30 maybe-ish, you have yeah. some pretty big games. Aston Villa, United, Southampton, Newcastle. We'll definitely be looking into that one. West Ham and Palace. And like I said, Tottenham and Liverpool rounding up your match day 15 in the Premier League. Yep. Uh, if we're done with the EPL, I want to give a side update. Sure. Uh, Wrexham. Sitting one point now behind Notts County, who's in first place in the in the what, what's this league called? The National game? League. Yeah, the National League. Uh, Notts County tied the game yesterday. Wrexham won, sitting one point behind now. Uh, Seventeen games in. Let's go, boys. So they're they're close. It's looking like they're getting the gap. It's like gonna be a two two horse race right now. They're five points clear of third place. Uh. Could this be the season where they get automatic promotion, don't have to get into that playoff? I still don't know why it's one team gets promoted and then they go into a playoff. This one team promotion That's wild, thing is <laughs> actually crazy for a, a league that has 24 teams. And they play 46 games. They play 46? They play 46 games this year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, play, yeah for 20, yeah, for 24 teams. Yeah. One team. <laughs> one team out of in forty six games comes out of one team getting automatic. You go into a playoff if you don't finish first, and then. So if you finish like eighth, can you possibly get in? How, no, I think it's the next six, seventh. So, yeah, it's second to seventh. If you finish seventh place in the, in the league, you can like get promoted. Yeah, that's absurd. Crazy. I love it. I absolutely love it. But that's absurd. How many teams get relegated from that league? Uh. Not totally clear, based on 
this. Uh, let's see here. I wonder if it's one as well. I feel like it's probably two. <laughs> if it's two or three automatically, that is madness. Four. What? Four. Really? Crazy. Automatically? Four, four teams get relegated. Um, I don't know about... Four teams from the National League? Hmm. That is crazy. Yeah, they just make it as hard as possible to get to the EPL. <laughs> we'll yeah, get to seriously. the league like, you too. Can't be, Pro well, league. They're weeding you, out all the scrubs, right? You can't be like, you got to be really good to get promotion and you, it's easy for you to get relegated. That is crazy. Four teams get relegated, but only one team gets automatic promotion. Yeah. <laughs> cool from Ryan Reynolds. We got to get out of this league. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> yeah, what? Uh, this is not a fun league to be in. League two, because what I think, well, obviously, League two, two teams get relegated. Um, and then I think how many get promoted? I'm not sure. Probably, probably two. No, I don't League know. two? No. Well, it's however many I get relegated. It won't be, it from won't league be one. even, right? Doesn't really matter. Yeah. I don't know. I got to brush up my history on League two and the National League, I guess. <laughs> yeah, League two, I would imagine it's probably three. Maybe. Maybe, yeah. I don't know. So, yeah, if you guys like our Wrexham talk, leave us a comment or something. If you uh, want to hear it earlier in the show or if you want to let it ride to the end. But we're going to do Wrexham updates, I think, every week or every two weeks maybe. We'll, yeah, we'll, just, see. we'll just see how yeah. things go. See what's going anything, on. Anything big that happens. If they if they jump yeah. into the first place or if yeah. um, make headway or, yeah. make, or slide a little bit. <laughs> Hopefully not slide, but... Or let's see if, if Paul Mullen gets... Scooped up by Leeds, maybe or something. Yeah. Or like signs to a big club. We'll we'll do some breaking Wrexham news. Yep. Um, sometime in the show. All right, we good boys. We're good. Good. All right, I want to thank everyone for listening. You can get our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. I think we're on Google Podcasts too. I think we're on that platform as well. If you guys want to listen to us on that, um, the link to the podcast will be up on Twitter, up on Instagram. You guys can get us at footy underscore fans. P-H-A-N-S is how you spell fans. Other than that, I think we will tune in next week after all the week's action. See you, everyone. See you. Ciao.